everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. So often we sort of pick and choose when it comes to the Bible. It's, it's like you go through some sort of a cafeteria. I'll take this. No, I don't want that. I'll have this. I'll have that. And then you never really take a step back and go, look at the entire menu. Look at the entire restaurant. Look where the restaurant is. And let me see the context of where I am. This past Tuesday, I found myself on a 15-story observation deck with a couple of school administrators looking at a beautiful, massive university. They were pointing out different landmarks. This is the medical school building. Okay, that's a dorm, that's a dorm, that's a dorm. And there's the arena. This university had flown in creative, our creative worship and our creative worship team. And also flown in me and some others to do some speaking before their student body. So we spoke on Wednesday morning to 11,000 students, and then Wednesday night to about 4,000. And it was amazing because, because Fellowship Church, of course, we have the opportunity now and then to do a lot of traveling and to spread our DNA, to tell others what God is doing. So it was a great, great trip. What was interesting about the trip, though, was when I walked around the campus on the ground level, I got lost several times. It was like a maze, you know. But when I was able to look at everything from the perspective of this observation deck, even though I'm directionally challenged, I got it. I was like, wow, I see it now. I've got it now. There's a football stadium. You know, there's this building, there's that building. So context is everything. Perspective is everything. And today we're zooming out. We're doing the Google Earth thing, you might say. We're droning the Bible as we discuss what the Old Testament and specifically the New Testament is all about. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, this, and would you read it with me? All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This text says the Bible is God-breathed. That word is theonoustos. God breathed it. It's inspired from Genesis to Revelation. Not Revelations, Revelation. The writers from a kaleidoscopic range of backgrounds, of social economic levels, of races, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, wrote the Bible. The Bible is a story. Basically, it's a hymn book, a book about him, Jesus. There's one hero, Jesus, one villain, the devil, and one message our Savior rescues. That's the Bible. That's the story. That's the flow. The Old Testament, 39 books, 28 authors, over 2,000 years. Let's put the light on the Old Testament over there, the light. Why do you have 10 icons? 10 toes, 10 toes down. Why do you have 10 icons for the New Testament? 10 toes down. 
Are you feeling me? Okay, I thought you were. The New Testament, 27 books, nine authors, over 100 years, that's it. You have the Fantastic Four. Who would that be? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And who do they write about? It's a hymn book. They write about Jesus. And Matthew writes to the Jews. Mark writes to the Romans. Luke writes to the Greeks. And John writes to everybody. Now, if I'm going too fast, I am. That's just the way it is. <laughs> they write about Jesus. Okay, let's talk about real quick the person of Jesus, the power of Jesus, and the preaching of Jesus. Very important. All right, here we go. The person of Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's born in a manger. I did a series years ago called Cribs, Crucial Relationship Initiated by the Savior. Let's talk about the person of Jesus. Fully God, fully man, something we'll never understand. God did something. God said, you know what? I'm going to have to do something radical. I'm going to have to do something just ridiculous. I'm going to commission my son, the second person of the Godhead, to, to enter planet Earth and to live a righteous life, to die a sacrificial death, and to rise bodily. Jesus was a man. He drafted the dirty dozen, or you could say the dream team. I'm talking about the disciples. And these guys were a ragtag bunch of people, the last people on earth you would expect the Son of God to draft. I mean, they didn't have their, their degree from Harvard or Yale. They didn't come from the right side of the tracks. They didn't use good language. I mean, what? The, what? What? Those guys? Well, that's why I can identify with the Bible, and so can you. Also, notice who else he chose. He became a friend of sinners. So he chose friendships like Zacchaeus, Nick at night, Nicodemus, <laughs> the rich young ruler. I mean, he even, he even knew prostitutes and pimps and what, 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 what? And the religious people, the Sadducees and Pharisees said, what are you doing, Jesus? You're a friend of sinners hanging out with them going to that party, I, I can't believe it. You see, Jesus and God is not about religion, it's about a relationship. Notice too, he rose above the haters, you see that? You're doing great, people hate, you can have haters, that's okay. You can't worry too much about the haters. It's difficult though in our land of social media. It's very tough on everybody, everybody has haters. Let's now talk about the power of Jesus, the power. Was he just a, a person that walked across the stage of life with another uh, messianic complex? Well, the power, he performed miracles. The Bible says miracles showed he was God. His first miracle at a wedding, he turned H2O into Merlot. I think about the time he fed 5,000 the Hebrew Happy Meal, or he fed 4,000 with Chick-fil-A. It was unbelievable, the miracles. The blind could see, the lame could walk. He could calm storms. This is not an ordinary man, a miracle worker. Wow. His power. I mean, that's some serious power. So you have the person of Jesus and the power of Jesus. Now the preaching of Jesus, the preaching and the blanks are information, demonstration, and application. Jesus told stories. Two thirds of everything he said, was a story. Also, over 69% of his words were words of application, meaning 
words of execution, words of here's how to live it out. If we're not careful, John chapter 6, 35, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. He said, I'm the light of the world. He said, I'm the good shepherd. He said, you know, I'm, I'm water. Many times he just used these word pictures, these illustrations people could connect with. He told stories, stories, stories. Well, that's what we do at fellowship. We just simply take a page out of his teaching book. He taught with application. So over 69% of his words were words of, all right, here's how I live this out. Isn't that interesting? Life application preaching. When we look at Fellowship Church and all of our menu of teaching, just, just check it out for 28 years, I believe we have a biblical balance of information, demonstration, and application. That's why we teach the way we do. We're just simply doing what Jesus did. All right, so we got the person, we got the power. We've got the preaching. Now we've got the cross. Everything moved to the cross. Remember in the garden? I set that up. We have this atonement awareness thing in our lives, do we not? Someone shoots up a bar. Somebody's got to pay. Somebody does something crazy in a school. Somebody's got to pay. Someone dings your door or mine. Somebody's got to pay. Someone takes advantage of this person. Somebody's got to pay. Social injustice, whatever it is, somebody's got to pay. Why do we have that? My dogs and cats don't have that. Animals don't have that. It's this atonement awareness thing. We're made in the image of God. What did God do in the fullness of time? At the right time, He sent Jesus, the person, the power, the preaching. Jesus said, one day He was standing in front of the temple. He goes, You know what? You can destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll build it back. Everyone thought, oh, you're talking about the temple? You're talking about blowing up the temple? No, he was talking about himself. So he predicted his death and resurrection. He died on the cross for your sins and mine, for your iniquities and mine, once and for all. And the reason he could take it all is because he was totally and completely Righteous, the Bible says. The cross, our sin debt, paid in full. I mean, I have a debt I was born with it that I cannot pay by myself. I can't file chapter 11 or chapter 13, nor can you. I can't work my way in because at the end of the day, I'm a self-centered sinner in need of a sovereign, singular savior, a sinless one, and he died on the cross for our sins. He voluntarily, voluntarily took everything upon himself. He died. And people thought, it's over. Ding, ding, ding. Tapped out, lights out. But one, count it with me, say it again. One, two, three. Bang, 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 bang. Jesus rose again. The greatest act in human history. He appears 
in bodily form. The bodily resurrection to, to women, to many others, to people just walking down the street. One time he appeared to over 500 people at one time. Any lawyers in the house? You're talking about a case that demands a verdict? How would you like to have that case? Oh, yeah. I'll bring uh, 475. You know, no, I'll just bring in the 500 witnesses. Just line them up, man. Would that be amazing? That's slam dunk, man. You've got that. That's what Jesus did. So the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that's the atonement. An innocent third party. Because remember in the Old Testament, they had the sacrificial system. They were spilling the blood of all of these animals. Blood was pouring everywhere. And it was foreshadowing of the ultimate sacrifice, this new covenant of Jesus dying on the cross, suffering for your sins and mine, paying for our sin debt, and rising again. Jesus is called the first fruits of the resurrection, meaning, let's go all the way down here to the book of Revelation, not Revelations. Let's don't do that. People say, in the book of Revelations, no, let's say it together, Revelation. One, two, three, Revelation. Okay. When we clock out of here, because we're all facing a forever, when we go to the other side of the dirt, we're going to live forever. We're going to to, to resurrect just like Jesus did. Does that, does that make sense? I just wanted to say that so you'll understand that. So we have the death, burial, and resurrection. Everything rises and falls on the death, burial, and resurrection. Maybe you're here, you have doubts about the Bible, you have questions. Great, God's bigger than your doubts and questions. Go for it, ask him any question, express any doubt, I promise you the Bible is big enough and bad enough and lean enough and mean enough to take all of your scrutiny because I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care how many questions you ask God. People smarter, brighter, and cooler have asked those questions squillions of times. But if you want to repeat those questions, good. And it's good to do that. Doubt's not bad. Doubt and faith go on similar tracks. It's which one do you feed? Yet, Jesus demands this personal faith decision. So Jesus rose again, appeared, even ate meals and stuff, the resurrected body. Then he goes, you know what? I got to go. I got I to I gotta go. So, so he is getting ready to, to ascend. He says, I'm going to send a helper. A what? A comforter. What? A guide. The fire. Fire, boom, boom. Remember that song? I sometimes will do humor for those of us who are 45 years of age and older. Ohio players. The way she walk and talk. Anyway. It was just, I was just, they were a great band. Song starts off with a siren. It's so creative. And the drums. Jigitu, jigitu, hey now, uh huh, hey, ba 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 ba. Oh wow, hey now, uh huh, hey. That's pretty good, isn't it? Now some of you are young. Don't don't say yes, but those who are forty-five and older, it's pretty good, right? Okay. Thank you. 
He said, preach it, white boy. That's the best compliment I've received all day long. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I just want to say again, a huge thanks for your generosity and for you partnering with us. No matter where you are, no matter what age or stage you find yourself in life, we have tools, we have books, we have resources to help you in this endeavor. So if you're not a part of our family here, we'll love for you to become a part. You can see what to do on the screen. So again, thanks for your generosity, and let's go back to the message. Well, Jesus is saying, I'm going somewhere. And let me quote Acts, because the book of Acts is a bridge book from the Gospels to the rest of the New Testament. It's a bridge. The book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So Jesus said, you guys hang out and wait in J-Town, Jerusalem. I'm going to go up and you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Why? Well, you'll be my witnesses. Somebody touch your neighbor and say witness, right? You'll be my witnesses telling people everywhere about me in J-Town, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Huh. So, so Jesus is saying that. He's saying, you know what? When you become my followers, I'm not going to zap you to heaven. You're here not to sin, but to share. And, and again, at Fellowship Church, we never ask you to do anything the Bible doesn't ask you to do. Never. So we ask you to do three things as a member of the body of Christ. To share, share your faith, share your story. To sow, the Bible talks about this, sow your resources. And to serve, get outside of yourself and serve. Here's the book of Acts in a nutshell. Holy Spirit comes down, Simon Peter takes the church, preaches messages, 3,000 people, boom, in the church. Incredible things, connectivity. And the Bible says, the Bible uses the word fellowship. Great name for a church. And, and, and things are just happening, yet the church is being persecuted. One guy who's like this heavy hitter is really after the church, Paul. Well, back in the day, his name was Saul. He was killing Christians. And he has this amazing conversion experience, he becomes a follower of Christ, and it's just going crazy, man. I mean, everything is happening, and Paul goes on these missionary journeys, uh, these cruises, uh, he starts a church here, a church there, a church everywhere, and he's starting all these churches. He's this new guy, this, this brand new believer, is starting to spread and expand. Well, here's the church, you ready for this? This is huge. Here's, here's what happened. Jesus went up. That's his ascension. The Holy Spirit came down. That's the presence of Jesus. And it can only come down because Jesus went up, right? The disciples went out and the lost came in. That's, that's it. That's what happened in the book of Acts. And then, of course, Paul wrote, for example, the book of Romans, the Magna Carta of the Christian faith. You realize that 50% of the book of Romans is a book of application? Interesting, is it not? So the church 
begins to grow and expand. It's the only thing that Jesus ever built. That's why we're people of the church. It's just very simple. We're people of the church. So what does Paul do? Paul comes back from his cruises, and they weren't like easy cruises. These are difficult. And I just did the, uh, just for it to see we'll remember it. He sends an email blast. Yeah. To all of the churches he helped start. I mean, from Romans, 1st and 2nd, Corinthians. We get on and on and on. All of that written to the church. They're called the epistles. Then he writes letters to individuals. Timothy, you know, he's writing to all sorts of people, like Philemon, on and on and on. Here, here, here is Paul's letters, his, his email blast summed up. Scripture alone. Well, that's Fellowship Church. We're under the authority of the Bible. That's, uh, guys, this is, we're based, we're Bible teaching church. What kind of church is Fellowship? We're Bible teaching, Bible believing church. We teach the Bible. We're not some political church. We're not some this church or that church. We're a church that teaches the Bible. Now, when you teach the Bible, you can have issues that come up that might be political or might be hot topics. Every time we speak, what does the Bible say? Scripture alone. How about no? Scripture alone. Yeah, but Scripture alone. Number two, Christ alone. It's about Jesus, a hymn book. It's about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus, the person of Jesus. Without Jesus, we're in trouble. Without the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we can't live this way. It's about his power. It's about the dynamite power. Acts chapter one, verse eight, you'll receive power. The word power is dunamis, dynamite. It's dynamite. J.J. Walker, good times. I saw some of these millennials. There was zero love. You guys don't know. Jimmy Walker. I put him up against Will Smith any day. The guy was hilarious. He still is. Remember that? Who in here remembers Jimmy Walker? He used to do like this. Oh, yeah. I had a Jimmy Walker hat, a Jimmy Walker shirt. Somebody sent him this message. I love Jimmy Walker. Maybe we'll bring him into fellowship church one day. I don't know. Scripture alone, Christ alone, faith alone. We're saved. It's, it's a faith decision. We're not saved by works. Because no one could work their way in. She's not going to sign in the cards. By grace alone. What's grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Something we don't deserve. To the glory of God alone. Everything I do should be for the glory of God. I'm watching a Netflix documentary to the glory of God. I'm going to this particular restaurant to the glory of God. I'm frequenting that website to the glory of God. I'm having that conversation to the glory of God. So it's not some legalistic trip. It's a relationship. Then you have the other different books of the New Testament from Hebrews. I think it was probably written by Paul, but we're not sure. James, written by the half-brother of Jesus, on and on and on it goes. Segwaying into the book of, not Revelations, but what? Revelation. A revelation. Correct someone, please, if you hear them say that. Just say, excuse me, I, I've got to do this. I mean, that just drives me crazy. It's Revelation, all right? So Revelation is the recreation it is a new heaven and new earth. So what God started in the book of Genesis, you think, you think the creation was great pre-fall? It's even better when you have a recreation. 
Heaven is not going to be us just floating around on cumulus clouds and, you know, strumming the harp and singing. I mean, it's going to be a place where there is true expression of our love to God. We'll be able to use our gifts and abilities like never before. We'll have relational connectivity like never before. Creativity like never before. Colors like never before. Sounds like never before. It'll be like never before. And that's the way we're going. Again, though, it's your choice and mine. As I said, when I spoke to this university on Monday and also Wednesday, I said, you know, God doesn't slam duck anybody into eternity. We make that choice. So what you decide on this side of the dirt will will show you where you're going to spend time on the other side of the dirt. And forever is a long, long time. So what have you done with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? So the Bible is a hymn book. It's about him. Thank you for listening. And thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.